Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Steps to Sobriety with your host, Stefan Neff. I'm here and have the great, great pleasure to bring a new guest on. This guest is Clarissa Christiansen from the very top of our world, uh, the very opposite side of where I am here in little New Zealand. Now she is way up from Stockholm and I've got her on my show today and she will be shedding light on the mystery that is out there, this strange thing called women. And we men, we love women to bits. After all, we marry them and we, 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 we promise that we are there for them. But then from now and then, they change color, a bit like a chameleon. And they change, especially sort of around the yeah, late 40s, early 50s. Suddenly, there is something that was never mentioned in the marriage contract, something called menopause. And I'm so bloody grateful that I've got Clarissa with me, who will share some of her insights into uh, these beautiful miracles and strange beings called women in menopause. So Clarissa, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and helping me a bit to understand because I'm a simple man and, and I, I often struggle. And for that matter, so does my wife. So I'm more than interested. <laughs> Clarissa, welcome. Stefan, thank you so much for having me as a guest on your show. And I hope I can shed some light on women in this time of their life. And, you know, why, you know, maybe steps to sobriety are really important for them too. Hmm. That is so true, isn't it? Um, it is... Uh, it is a wonderful thing to be out there, to be married and to be together, but life is constantly changing. The, the pressures are changing and uh, things are fluent out there. And alcohol, often enough, when we start off young, alcohol is a beautiful thing where we all enjoy it and it has benefits, uh, the inhibitions go and you suddenly are the life of the party and, and you can dance and you can meet the girls. The girls can meet the boys. So a little bit of Dutch courage, well, there's not necessarily something too wrong with that, but often enough it doesn't really stay with that, isn't it? And out of one little sip um, goes, yeah, one little bottle. The old, the old joke, what do you do with leftover wine? The answer is, sorry, I don't understand the question. What is left over wine? Um, you get the idea. In your life, have you uh, enjoyed a drink? Have you? Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What would I say? I was a very typical corporate woman. Yeah. You know? So, and yeah. And indeed, in, in, in your field, was alcohol part of the, the bonding ceremony? Was it part of the of making deals of being out there? Totally, I think every single work event involves alcohol. Friday after work drinks, mm -hmm. team building days, mm -hmm. lunches with customers. You know, on it goes, and alcohol is mm -hmm. just present in that whole space that is that is part of what happens 
and the people who don't join in, well, actually they don't get in front of leaders and they sometimes don't get promoted. So it's a very um, vicious cycle to be in. Is it not? Yeah, same here, uh, same experience. Now, it's, uh, so how long were you in the corporate world then? Tell us a bit more about that years. part. <laughs> 28 years, Stefan. Oh, you know, no. a very long time, a lifetime. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Who did you annoy? Which god did you piss off? <laughs> I don't know, but I was, I'm out of there now. I'm, I'm free. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I'm sure there is, there is actually something there in the story from corporate, uh, 16 hours a day and then some, to uh, now your new life. You have been in the corporate world for 28 years. Goodness gracious, there must be a story there. Um, how that ended, uh, obviously, because you, you used the, the past tense, and uh, how you, you moved on to a different part in your life. Can you shed some lights on that? What happened? I can. I can. Definitely, Stefan. Thank you for asking me that, that question to unpack a little of my story here. So, um, yes, 28 years in corporate. And around my mid-40s, I uh, emigrated to Australia, like you do. <laughs> you decide you're going to move to the other side of the world, having grown up in the UK, worked in Europe, and began a different life very stressful it's it is very stressful to be a single mother um to work in a senior corporate role mm -hmm. and to be that midlife woman who is going through a massive change that we call the menopause that most of us kind of sleepwalk into you know like a lot of my clients like a lot of women i meet around the world our actual understanding of what we're going to go through is very low so we power on, we're on a conveyor belt. And, and women are really today trying to be it all and do it all and live up to a lot of what is the shoulds, the musts, the oughts, the God, what I call the smog in their lives, you know? It's sort of like- Lovely, lovely put, lovely put. Lovely, you imagine you're just in this. And it gets too much, you know? And eventually I burnt out. I just, and a burnout is not, I feel a little bit tired. I need to go to a yoga retreat. A burnout is mental and physical exhaustion. You know, when you black out in your office and you think you put it down to the lights are flickering, <laughs> you know, you know, you know where you've reached rock bottom really. And you're coming home. You're really tired. What do you do? You open a bottle of wine, you sit on the couch. And I would never say to anybody, I was an alcoholic. I never went to AA or Soberista, but I was certainly using glasses of wine as a support mechanism. I ate on the run, too many coffees. I sound like a billion, a billion women out there in the world mm. who do exactly that. And I had to stop. I had to stop and change. And so I changed my life. Then I must be a little bit of a woman too, but because you just described my life, um, including the coffee and including the wine afterwards. What did the wine do to you? How did it feel when you had your second glass of wine? I mean, the first one just goes down to wipe down the dust of the tongue. Um, what about the second and third one? What did that do? The second one was often the moment I kind of went, oh, it was like that pressure valve that released mm -hmm. in, that, in that moment. I think the first one, just come home, it's habit. I'm getting changed. I'm going to cook. You know, we've, <laughs> we've done all the things we've got to do. 
Um, the second one is the sitting on the couch one. Mm. You've eaten food, you're winding down, <laughs> and you, you're wanting just to let go of this day. While, of course, your emails are still buzzing. And if you had a boss like I had at that time, um, she could message till one in the morning because she couldn't let go. She had no ability to let go either. She didn't know how to do that. So that was very unhelpful, totally unhelpful that she just did not do that. So, you know, I wasn't off duty. I hadn't finished work, basically, even though it was, you know, eight o'clock in the evening. So I was trying to decouple from that. And so maybe that wine became a third. Sometimes it didn't. And then I'd crash to sleep. And then you wake up at two in the morning. And then, of course, you're menopausal and you're having insomnia issues anyway. Oh, so no. then you're exhausted. Then you look at your emails and then you're asleep at five in the morning. You've got to get up at seven and, and go again. That becomes your life. And everything you do in social revolves around drinking. Yeah. It's not a very healthy lifestyle. It's not, a, it's not like it was bad. I mean, I had very good pay. I was very financially secure. I lived in a beautiful country, Sunshine. But it's a grind as well. Mm. And alcohol becomes part of that. Alcohol's not fun in that situation. Mm. Yeah, it's just so part of the prop. Yeah. And you just keep going and keep going. And you're on this rat race. And it is... It is just ongoing and especially nowadays i think that with the internet uh and emails and then messaging and then whatsapp and now zoom and all the kind of other uh interruptions of our private life um, there is more and more this tendency of things to sort of merge together and it can be very very difficult in nowadays uh, times to actually tease that apart. So what you're highlighting is such an important bit because the temptation is there to keep going and keep going. And it, it even today, it is there. There are even now times when in the evening, I think, oh, well, I do the bills and send an email out and suddenly get a reply at 10 o'clock. And you think, what the hell are you doing in the office? And uh, it is, yeah, people are out there and burning the candle, not on two ends, but two ends and a few places in the middle. Uh, and it is getting very hard. So for you, you ended up basically walking into a wall. How, yeah. did, that, how did that feel like? Oh, what did that feel like, Stefan? It feels numbing. It, it is your... your so tired and you get to work and I was very passionate about my career. I loved looking into people's minds, attitudes and habits. You know, I was fascinated by people, hmm. but I went to work and I sat at my desk and I eventually managed to move a desk, move my desk to a point where I was actually in the back of the corner office because I didn't then have to interact with anybody. <laughs> in a very unhelpful space to sit in when you're quite a senior person. And I sat there and I thought, well, if I sit in this little corner, I can just sit quietly. And I didn't really do very much work. You know, I did. And I was, by that stage, I changed to my final job. Mm. I was overqualified for the role. So I was just living on past experience. I wasn't generating that much more that was, you know, I would say wasn't as much value as I would have given in my previous career. Mm. I was living on my abilities. I was there and until, and there's no enthusiasm. What, what are we living for if we don't enjoy what we're doing? You know, 
how do we not enjoy this? We need to enjoy things more. So true. So true. I remember giving once a lecture to uh, nursing students. And here I was. And as a teacher, I'm quite animated and out there. And on that day, this was just such a front, such a mask I put on. And I bounced around and infused these students, knowing them well that, that healthcare was not particularly great, uh, that many of them might not get a job and things like that. And I said goodbye to them and they really enjoyed the show. And I walked out, went straight to the bottle shop, got two bottles of wine and got drunk because I felt such a fraud. It felt such a, such a bizarre experience. So there I was with this mask on and, ah, uh, uh, no, 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 no. That was burnout. Absolutely, that was burnout. Uh, you're, you're dead. If you really look in your eyes, there was nothing there. It's just no. dead. So no, oh, it's a bad, bad place to be. Uh, how, long, how long was that period in your life? To, to be absolutely honest, I would have said that lasted several years, mm. two, three years. And, and the turning point for me was changing that job because I moved to a much tougher job environment, you know. Mm. You work in a multinational, people are diverse and friendly. You work in a really tough nose Australian company. There's nothing wrong with the company. It's just, it was a big culture clash for me. And that was like, I don't think I'm going to survive even the trial period here. It was that recognition. And I was like, oh, and what happens then? You know? So that was like having to, to change things there and then. May I ask you, how young were you then? I was 53. Two. 52, exactly. So, and may I ask a very, very personal question? When did your menopause start? When did your sort of hormones started to play around and change? I would have said I was probably around 44, 45. All right, okay. Yeah. So yeah. you managed somehow to hold on to with your with the last strength, <laughs> leaving already a few fingernails somewhere there, um, but you hung on there. Uh, through the menopause, through mm -hmm. being a solo mum, uh, through all that, you, okay, uh, no surprise that you were in the place you were. Yeah. Goodness. Exactly. And then in Australia, you had the social isolation. You didn't have family, friends, everything there. You were in a new country, new place. Uh, and what do you do? Uh, well, you drink. <laughs> that certainly does what I would have done. And you join in with other people. Exactly. And drink is and drink is the vehicle with which you join in. Mm. That is the vehicle you're using to join in. Absolutely, because it creates a bridge for mm. you to do that. But by that time, you were already in such a place actually a very good place you might not have said it then but i think you might say it now because you were so out of your comfort zone that even you in your haze recognized hang on that's can't continue like that was there was there then one one episode one day one experience that that brought it all home to you or was it a slowly but surely growing conviction that enough is enough? I think you're right on that second point there, Stefan, that this was this 
growing sense my health was getting worse my doctor's prognosis of my blood pressure wasn't very good he said well you'll be you'll be on these tablets for the rest of your life and i can say that i don't take any medication now Excellent. Uh, and you'll only have to increase the dose and i was sitting there going oh right <laughs> and i you know i was i was struggling like a lot of menopausal women with my weight and and my moods the anxiety and the lack of sleep are are not you know, symptoms that you want to have. And of course, alcohol does nothing to improve those. It does the opposite effect because it's a depressant, as we well know, and it is not good in terms of helping us to sleep. And we don't do those mental management and we don't have the seven, eight hours that we need. Mm. We're irritable. We are cognitively impaired. And, and that just compounds everything. Isn't it? This is uh, in, in my book, uh, My Steps to Sobriety. I describe it and, and I call it anxiety uh, when you're hangover and uh, the next day, and your anxiety actually explodes. So instead of uh, chilling you out, calming you down, what you actually want the alcohol for, you pay the price the next day uh, because it's just brutal what you are going through. So, so true. So you have just put it in, in perfect words there. What was the way out? What was, what did change or how did you change it? Did you meet a guru? Did you go to the top of the remote mountain in, in Nepal or how did you, how did you find yourself? How did you find the woman or the vision of the woman that you wanted to be? That's a good set these questions because it was steps. You know, it steps along the way. And it started with a very interesting meeting that had absolutely nothing to do with what happened afterwards. But I met a woman at a conference. She was giving the, the talk. And I was inspired by her energy. Oh. And, and as we do, we Google the person. And it said that she belonged to something called open ground. And this was the thing she did. And I was like, oh, it's open ground. Well, it turned out to be mindfulness based training mm -hmm. and their headquarters was in the suburb next to mine i lived in bondi beach and they were in wait because sometimes the universe is just there for you and i went to the class that started the following week so i enrolled and got a last minute slot and it was there that i suddenly realized that i wasn't alone that the the way i felt about the world that the way i was experiencing the world with so much stress so much anxiety I wasn't alone. Mm. There was a whole group of people whose problems sometimes were much greater than mine. Mm. You know, I was a very privileged person to sit there. A lot of these people had been through a lot more than me. And that began a journey where I first actually trained, did the training there, then became a mindfulness practitioner myself. Mm. So I joined a group that uh, flowed from that group and went on a three-year training to become a certified mm. mindfulness practitioner. And it was towards the last part of that training, there was a lot of intense immersion in yourself mm. that my mentor turned to me and she said, did you skip the bit on self-compassion? And I went, no, no, I've done that. I've done that part of the training. She said, I don't think so. <laughs> she, said, she said, there's something really missing in what you're communicating here. She said, I, I think this is where we, you need to do more work. 
And so I had to go back and really work on those modules, quite a, a parts of that training intensely. So I realized that I was nowhere near actually having any sense of what it's like to love yourself. And then that flowed onto everything that I did in life. <laughs> You're laughing, but you know, I was I was kind of like a bit stunned when she said that to me. <laughs> yes, but that is us. That is us as, as corporate beings, as type A people, as doctors being out there, always there for someone else, always there for the family, for everyone else but yourself. And it's just amazing, amazing. It is just, I see so many stories that are exactly like yours. And your story reflect perfectly mine because it is sort of, oh, when will we look after ourselves? And we don't until we actually crash, until we actually hit a wall. And it is, it's sad to see, but sometimes karma or the gods or God or whoever is out there, uh, sometimes just says, come on, enough is enough now. Kaboom. And then something happens and people sort of think, bloody hell, uh, what was that? And then if, if the gods smile, then actually suddenly a course like yours come along or rehab if alcohol was the predominant factor or uh, many other things there needs to be some catalyst something that opens your eyes and i'm so pleased for you that you have found that uh, a free free year journey wow wow was that a sort of a weekend training or what did you do so we did, we did sort of intense immersions um, with series of modules and then in between, you know, so we did immerse for like 10 days at a time with the teachers um, and then we would then come back and then we'd have work to do all the time and we had to learn to teach other people how to do mindfulness and then your mentor would work with you and there was a lot of reflective work. Mm. of diarizing not oh i did this but what did i feel so we're all going down into those deeper feelings in that are part of that you know what is what is emerging underneath for you as you go through this process as a human being and that for me was the catalyst to change and that's beautiful isn't it emotions when i was in rehab uh for a month in rehab that was the most dreaded lesson or or part of the day it was 10 o'clock in the morning emotions and what you do is you sit in one big circle no one is having any sunglasses on no hats no nothing in your hands and initially no one is talking because it's all about your emotions now where i came from you don't talk about your emotions. <laughs> exactly. Corporate world. Yes. How do you feel? Well, you're right. As if. So no, it is, it was the most bizarre thing. But once it started, uh, the fireworks were going and some people were crying and the anger came out and suddenly emotions came out where you thought, bloody hell. And it is what it is. These emotions are bottled up in us and uh, to, to learn how to recognize them and to learn that this is normal, that these emotions are there. Some of them are, can be beautiful and helpful and some of them can be so destructive, but they are all there, like it or lump it. So what the hell do you do with them? And to actually have a three-year training 
bloody hell, that should be that should be mandatory for every 18-year-old. They should add that onto the, the school curriculum as mandatory. <laughs> I think we would all be so much better people. We would be. We would definitely I sent my son to mindfulness training as well. Excellent. Not for three years, but he went for he went to a, a, a less intense group um with a lady who was very kind because i said he's very anxious about life and so he has those those practices in his life and he oh, knows to counseling when he's feeling overwhelmed rather than allowing that to be there so that that has been my gift to him on this journey as well Oh, beautiful beautiful i'm so pleased for your son man oh that is that is great 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 wow so you basically you you tasted the the new freedom you tasted your new life and thought wow i can do something there but that was still when you were bondi um bondi beach for those of you who don't know please go there and check it out one of the 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 coolest beaches in sydney uh in manly shall i say so opposite sydney really um so beautiful but that is rather far away from stockholm um, how, how did that all come about then? <laughs> well, um, some of it came about because my son decided that he would move to live in the Netherlands. He decided he didn't want to continue being in the university student in Australia and he moved to live in Leiden. And suddenly I'm like this thinking, well, I'm mid fifties. I'm in a career that I'm not enjoying and I know I want to go a different path because I'd obviously done this mindfulness training. I was starting to work on my women's health training. And I want to do something different with my life. Maybe in now is the time to sell up here in Australia and to go to Europe. I mean, who knows where we go after that? That's not fixed, but to have a, a complete change of environment. Where shall I go? And I looked around and then my sister said to me, why don't you move to Sweden? We, you know, my, your, our mother was Swedish. We know this part of the world. Yeah. Why don't we, why don't you go there for a bit and decide yeah. what you're going to do? So that is how it unfolded. And I came here and started a business. So were you, were you able to speak uh, Swedish? Yes, uh, I speak Swedish fluently, but I coach internationally anyway. Yeah. So that's kind of like, but that's how I spoke Swedish. Though people would say to me, where do you come from? <laughs> like, well, I kind of come from somewhere in the world. <laughs> but I, okay, so that made life easier, um, yes. obviously, rather than going there and, and working with the 200 words that you remember from your childhood. Uh, yeah. So, no, that's beautiful. Oh, excellent. So did you then find straight away a job as a, as a well, how do you describe yourself now? Are you a, a mind coach? Are you a, how, what, would you, what would you entitle yourself? Well, when I'm working with menopause women, I'm a menopause transition coach, but I think transition is the word. I'm helping women in transition. So often these women are 40s and 50s. Yes. They are in huge transition in our lives. Our parents are getting older. We may become the carer of the people that cared for us uh, and, and, their, and their journey as they depart this world. So there's a big change in our relationship. There's changes in our relationship with our children. They become teenagers and then they go out the door and we become into nesters, empty nesters, which opens up interesting relationship because we're very good at running on Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> you know, life is happening. And then suddenly here we are. And then we're changing 
in our bodies. So in this time of life, we are going through massive transition. Mm. So women may come to me because of menopause issues, but what we really end up working with is navigating the transitions of this life so that we are building good foundations in our health because you know, women are unaware of the fact that the thing that's going to kill them is cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, Alzheimer's. Unfortunately, we're over-indexed because of hormonal changes mm. for those things. And we also need to change a mindset. What works at 30 doesn't work in your menopause and certainly won't serve you when you're like me about to turn 60. We need that support in who am I? What do I want to be? What do I want for my life? It doesn't have to be as crazy as mine. You don't need to move around the world and throw everything up in the air. But we do need to address the things that have changed in our lives, our relationships, what we want from our life, how we want to work and live. So that's a lot of what I'm actually working with women on. So to paraphrase, you really hold a mirror in front of their face and show them what really is going on whilst they like me, are waking up in the morning and going half asleep into the bathroom and look into the mirror and sort of think, who the hell are you? I don't know you. I'm 21 in there. So, and that is the problem. We, we don't feel our age. We, you know, you remember that film when it came out and suddenly you, re you realize, wow, that was 30 years ago. Um, so there are, there are a lot of things that are happening. You're quite right. And it is, it is hard. It is hard for me as a man. And, uh, and I say that because we are not as hard hit by the hormones as you poor women are. Mm. Um, having said that, there is a menopause in, in men as well. We can very much go through some dramatic times there and the, the kind of quotation mark midlife crisis it may very well have to do with hormonal changes testosterone dropping uh suddenly boobs growing and you think what the hell yeah. um yeah. yeah so there are hormones at work boys mm -hmm. uh listen up so it is uh if you are feeling different then uh, that is that is very real that is not an imagined kind of state no. out of interest do men come to you too I have helped a lot of men to do things like sleep better and manage their anxiety. Wow. I have had a lot of uh, men who are midlife who have maybe not slept properly for 15 years. Absolutely, yeah. And I have done a lot of mindfulness coaching with them to actually work through it. A lot of it is, um, how do we say that in English? I need to show up so much and win. The Sweden have a great word. It's called prestatera. I need to present myself all the time. Uh, and a lot of that drives the underlying anxiety that we're not good enough. And when we're not good enough it, in our heads, we think, did I close that deal well enough at night? Have I done all the things I'm supposed to do? Uh, all the same things. You know, Women are folding laundry at one in the morning. Men are running around wondering if they did their sales closure well enough and whether the customer's happy enough. Yeah. So much garbage in our heads. And so that goes on till one in the morning. We crash asleep or we're waking up at four in the morning and we can't get back to sleep. And we're exhausted until you know, we are, we are sort of stumbling through life. So yes, I have coached a lot of men in those kinds of spaces. Good, good. Thank you. Thank you. Because if you actually break it down into small manageable steps, then you essentially realize, hang on, 
this is actually all pretty much a blueprint for living healthy, dealing with your with the menopause, dealing with uh, stopping alcohol, so being in sober in sobriety, and and uh, starting to finding your new life. They are actually very very similar things. You look at the, the hydration, you look at your nutrition, you look at your sleep, all those things that you will highlight. Um, having said that, uh, well, mind you, I was about to say you, you don't get the, the incredible mood swings, but we do get them as well. You get them, of course, you get them very much so in your, in your early sobriety. You get the sweating, you get the withdrawal that often can lurk around for weeks and months. Um, so the classic, the classic opiate withdrawal um, and the hardcore alcohol withdrawal, that's about a week or thereabouts. But then there is the protracted kind of ongoing, uh, not so nice times. So they um, can be very, very similar to, to what you describe in, as the menopausal symptoms in women. Yes. Um, what intrigues me, you are describing the, the way you help women uh, as a transition coach. Um, normally, when people are thinking menopause, they automatically are thinking HRT, they are thinking hormones, etc., replacements. Um, uh, and here you are saying, well, actually, mindfulness and, and working on good habits. Uh, let's start with the basics. Is that mutually exclusive or how, how do you see your role there as part of uh, maybe a medical system? I think that HRT has a role to play. If your symptoms are very extreme and some women have, I mean, have very difficult times. I mean, they really suffer. Then they need HRT. It's a bridge to get them over the, 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 to the other side. And we shouldn't dismiss that. I think where I feel a little conflicted is when I hear certain members of the medical profession say you should take HRT for the rest of your life. <laughs> and, and that for me feels very, yeah, you're shaking your head as a medic. I'm very uncomfortable with that message being given to women yeah. because menopause is part of a natural transition. Yeah. There must be some genetic reason why this happens. I mean, you know, it's not like we shouldn't have it because then why would it, would it have not been going on for millions of years that women of who are this age? So, and that also delays, I think, an acceptance of the thing we've lost in our society, the wiser older woman, the crone, whatever you like. And suddenly we're all supposed to be staying a certain way. And I'm not sure that that's a healthy mindset for women to stay in either. <laughs> Let me uh, say that with the amount of Botox being eject injected around the world and the fillers and the whatever else you can do, um, there are certain cultures which very much would like that to continue having an active sex life when you're 86, uh, at least three orgasms a day, um, because that's what you did when you were 21. I'm not so sure that this is true. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going there with you, but I would also like to highlight that the HRT for the rest of your life, 
thank you very much. I mean, that's a really nice way of creating certain tumors, certain cancers um, are actually very much at risk. And by the way, your bone structures, they are getting hammered. Um, so your HRT has got side effects. And yes. we need to be very, very clear about that. Well, I think the, the article that came out in The Lancet a few years ago really did shift that, the underreporting of cancers and other issues. Hmm. And, and that's uncomfortable if you're the manufacturer of HRT. So there are people who are on, the, <laughs> on that bandwagon pushing a different agenda. Right. So it is, I think that it's an easy way, but it's also a harder way because when women take HRT, they still often are not addressing fundamental emotions that are lying there that cause issues in relationships, issues. I mean, a lot of women gain weight and say, I can't. A lot of that's emotional. Mm -hmm. We're holding on to emotions. We're holding on to emotions that don't serve us with our partners and, and a lot of issues with marriages breaking down at this time. And we're not doing the steps that require us to work on the fundamentals. A Western diet is a vile diet, you know, in, in terms of the nutrient. Yeah, and it's not that you know, it's day in, day out. Uh, muffins, coffee, alcohol, lots of sugar, too much carbohydrate. Mm. We can do a lot to support ourselves by switching to a plant-based diet rich in phytoestrogens um, with the right omega-3s, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to help ourselves so much better than taking HRT because we're also helping our bones, our brains, not just our outer selves, but our inner selves. And, and that is what we need to do and move move women midlife women aren't moving they're sitting on the couch or they think a walk is enough we need to move our bodies appropriately mm. and we need to relearn that what we did at you know what i did and jumped up and down at 30 i can't do either because i've got a pelvic floor that's different but i need to know and learn a new way to move and i need to manage my emotions and my stress and hrt doesn't solve those things mm. HRT just covers up the surface issues and keeps us kind of going on the treadmill. Beautiful words, beautiful words. And I hope many, many women out there are listening and viewing what, what you have just been saying, because you have, you have uh, very much illuminated it all with, with a big torchlight there. Um, it is, there is hard work to be done. But if it is done right, you come out a very different woman and very much a better woman, just as much as a man who would do the same, the same amount of work on himself would be a very much grown man uh, compared with where he started. So, I mean, that's so beautiful to hear. And it's actually lovely to, to think about menopause as this transition. I, I never really took it as such. I, I more looked at it from a doctor's point of view, more as a, as a disease, as a, as a thing. Um, so yes, it is as a problem that needs to be solved rather than as a natural transition from one state to the other. That actually makes a lot of sense. It might not be what women want to hear because in their mind, they might very well not be ready for that. So what, what do you do if, if you have got a really good friend and she very much chases her youth and you see that um, 
the wrinkles are gone and her bank account is a little bit lighter by several thousand because she did the cosmetic surgery and she has got a boyfriend who is 10 years younger and and so on you you get the picture it's very easily to oh, paint yeah. it's a very common picture unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> so, so but now you it is your friend and you feel that it is appropriate that you that you share your wisdom what would you tell that friend i think we start with her about how she feels what 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 is she like is she happy you know mm -hmm. is this life giving her what she wants because we all want to be happy it's it's that underlying space we're trying to unpick you know, what is it in your life? How's it working? I often do tools like the wheel of life. Where are you putting your energy in the different spaces of your life? Where would you like it to be? Yeah. You know, where's the mismatch? What does your ideal life actually look like in, in your different areas of your life? And then we start to see if we can see the mismatch, we mm. can see the differences between where we are and where we really want to be. And then we talk about how the steps in different areas of our life can change but we need reflective space. We can't, you know, we start from where you'd like to be. And those questions like, what do you need? And we need to ask ourselves, what do I need? Not what other people want me to need, but what do I need? Interesting. Had you asked me the same questions when I was still drinking and when I was still, still out there in my rat race, I would have looked at you quite blank and would have said, what do you mean? I've got everything. Here I am, I'm so successful and I, and it's hard, it is hard. Do you use a two by four and sort of gently knock on someone's head from now and then and say, look in the mirror. You must be screaming in your head sometimes when you see what is, what is in front of you. <laughs> but sometimes people have to often come to a uh, a juncture in their life and that's often what happens to us something goes wrong mm. and that unfortunately becomes the trigger for the change mm. another person can't actually bring you to knowing you need it mm. it can be a marriage breakdown it can be like now during the times we're living in a lot of people are really concerned about their careers maybe they're yeah. going to lose their jobs they don't know what's going to happen maybe you've been very unhappy with your with your job and or you have some sort of sense that you really don't feel well. So a lot of women get burnouts or they have to leave their jobs because they're of their symptoms. It's a it has to be a trigger for us as humans to wake up. We we've had a million health messages poured over our heads over years and years by governments, doctors, heaven only knows, every health coach on the planet. But they just they wash over us because we don't identify with those personally in our lives. Yeah. So People who come to me have hit some kind of a, a, a wall or an issue. Mm. They haven't necessarily, and that is the trigger for the conversation to be about how do you want things to change? Beautiful, beautiful. How do people find you? How do you, um, how in, I mean, there, are, there you are as a, as a woman working your nine to five or nine, <laughs> your seven till nine job, I should say. Um, and then just being exhausted at home and has enough. How do they find you? How do they know that you are there? Well, the good places to find me are places like LinkedIn, mm. where a lot of my target women are, because I'm very active on LinkedIn. You'll see me on video there. Yeah. I also have a website. I'm active on social, but if you found me through social, you would then find me 
um, go to my website. Mm. I have a website, which is my name, clarissachristensen.com. And there you can read about my programs. You can listen to my podcast mm. and you can get in contact with me. Can you teach me a bit about your programs? Um, They're actually quite intriguing. Uh, I need to know more. Come on, tell me. So I have an online program yeah. that is that women can take with some, we do some coaching in that program in a group. I do a lot of one-to-one coaching with women who want to coach. You can coach with me for three months, six months, or a year. Oh, um, and you can actually come in and work one-to-one. Yeah. I would say, is it coaching? It's probably more mentoring. Women, you know, it's really, I'm your accountability partner and your mentor. I'm here to listen to you to put in advice that you can choose to take or not, you know, I'm not driving you through a program when we one-to-one coaching. It's about bringing, it's a lot listening to you and making suggestions and you going away and working on things and seeing how they evolve. Hmm. So that's how I do. I am also running a series of workshops uh, online that people can tap into and listen like masterclasses on a variety of subjects of which alcohol is one of them. Hmm. So people can get sound bites to, to tap into. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to, to meet you because it is, I hear the passion in you and I see the value that you can bring to people's often frantic and chaotic life at that time. And, and God, if there was a, just a pause button somewhere and someone to actually just whisper in your ear, what do you think? How about X? And the little step, the little step, you know, how do you start a journey of 10,000 miles? You put your right foot forward. And, but, you know, in which direction? Uh, 360 degrees, where do you go? And, and uh, that is where, where maybe a guide, a coach like you uh, comes into his own, on her own in this case. And it is, uh, it is so beautiful that you're out there. So no, that's uh, absolutely a must. So if, if anything in this, in this video or in this podcast has rung a bell with you guys, uh, try to, to, to step back, take a deep breath, put the wine down and uh, have a think, uh, is it maybe time to reflect and to, to see if your life is really that life that you want to live? And if not, and menopause is the problem, then please do not get in touch with me because I'm, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm the wrong guy. <laughs> and luckily you won't, you won't, because you have got Clarissa and her, all her details there. Uh, and I'm really, really, really grateful that, that I made the contact with you, Clarissa. Um, uh, thank you so much for appearing today. Um, it was a fantastic interview. Before I let you go, are there any other things that you wanted to raise or that you wanted to share with the listeners and viewers out there? I'd just like to say, well, firstly, a big thank you to you, Stefan, for affording me this space. And I would say to the listeners, start one step at a time. Hmm. This is a journey. And remember, menopause is a journey. It's not a disease. It's a transition to the best third of your life. <laughs> and it's beautiful thank you so much clarissa look after yourself and you guys out there take care of yourself one step at a time one day at a time one decision at a time but move into the right direction into that life that you guys want 
you only have one life. You might as well make the most out of it. So wishing you all a fantastic time until the next time. Bye. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, that was brilliant. Well done, you, Clarissa. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's wonderful. I hope that people really, really, really uh, enjoyed it and, and learned so much from you. The way you've described it is, is beautiful. And more importantly, the, the way you described your own journey, which completely reflects it. So it's one thing to, to uh, how shall I say that? I mean, this afternoon I talked to someone and uh, he told me about his friend who is an addiction counselor who mm -hmm. just fell off the wagon and is full blown in a relapse. But being out there actually uh, talking to other people what they should do. Oh. And you sort of think, oh, God. So that's not very clever. Mm -hmm. The other thing that not, is not very clever is people who have no idea what they're talking about. In other words, mm -hmm. they've read the books. They yes. are, you know. So if a, if a 26-year-old gives you advice about menopause, you probably think, oh, come on, girl. Um, yeah, yeah. Play with your dolls. You've not been there. You yeah. haven't been there. And you don't, you don't actually know what it feels, feels like. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly yeah. Right. I, I want something like a burnout feels like because it's a different thing. It's not, it really is not that simple, you know. So knowing what these things feel like, knowing how lost you can feel mm. um, is oh, are not things that other people understand. So you have to come from that place mm. and, and just also be able to sit here and say, okay, I hear you and nothing you say can shock me. I mean, I'm married to an alcoholic. I mean, he doesn't drink now, mm. <laughs> but his own journey. So, you know, and I have to suspend lots of judgment about his life, you know, and just listen to it. Yeah. And, and if you can do that for your clients too, then you, you know, there isn't anything we do. It's, you know, it might not be helpful for them to do certain of the things that they do, but, you know, that's, that's part of the journey because you've been there and you've seen too much. Exactly. Oh, Clarissa, it was, it was very humbling to talk to you today and, and to listen to you. Um, if you have got uh, any other ideas how we both can cooperate, I'm very open. Uh, if you've got another idea about an interview, uh, mm -hmm. more than happy to play. Uh, you're a lovely host to have, a lovely guest to have, shall I say. Um, so now I'm very happy to play. And thank you so much for for coming uh, a bit early. What is the time with you? It was seven, wasn't it? Ten o'clock. It's ten o'clock in the morning. Oh, ten. Oh, you're ten hours behind. Yeah, we're, not that, we're only ten hours behind. Yeah. Oh, so I have bad. a straight. I have a client, so I'm used. Oh, to nice, this, nice, nice. This time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Look, I say thank you very, very much. Look after yourself, Clarissa. If you don't mind, let's stay in touch. And if there is anything that sort of can come out of that, or if there you know, whatever the future brings, I'm happy to play. Okay. That'd be lovely. I would love, I'd love to find a way to have you on my show too. Delighted. 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 Well, Look thank you. Stefan. Have a good evening. Bye. Take care of yourself. Stay in touch. Yeah. I'll do.